Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to another edition of Questions and Answers. I'm Khawa Salomon, and as we welcome back once again Sheikh Ibrahim Mus, Yusufia, the resident Imam at the Yusufia Masjid. Shukran to you, uh, shukran to you, Sheikh, once again for availing your time. And assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Sister Hawa, how are you doing today? Very well, alhamdulillah. Saturday, it's weekend, so I hope all is well too. Um, Sheikh, we do have a backlog of questions. We once again just say shukran to everybody and reiterate um, that you can send your SMSs on 47913. There will just be a little bit of a wait before your questions will be answered, but know that um, it will be answered. Um, okay, so Sheikh, the first one we have for this evening is Salam. Can a person go for Umrah and didn't go for Hajj yet? of the accreditations and waiting list. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. The Umrah and the Hajj are of course both obligations uh, according to the Sharia. Uh, both are uh, compulsory according to Imam Shafi'i uh, taken from the verse in Surah Al-Baqarah where Allah Ta'ala says and perform the Hajj and the Umrah for the sake of Allah and yeah, Imam Shafi'i deduces from this ayah that the Hajj and the Umrah are both compulsory Okay, so in the event where a person has not yet received accreditation, but they have the urge to go and they have the money at the moment to go, and they want to go for an umrah in the meantime, inshallah, nothing stops them from doing that. Uh, although they must also try to just project and see what the possibility is if they would wait a little bit, would it come quickly, or, or is it still going to take a very long time? Because then, obviously, prefer- preferably they would wait and rather do the hajj and umrah all in one go, uh, since uh, uh, the hajj is also an application which is quite uh, uh, difficult and it needs to be prepared for etc uh, financially and otherwise so if they can if they know it's it, it may come through in the, in the next year or two or they have hopes for that then most probably it will be better for them to wait so that they can do the hajj and umrah altogether but let's say they know no look it's going to take a couple of years you know and most probably by then inshallah they will be able to regenerate money again or whatever uh, then in that case hopefully it will be okay inshallah for them to go for umrah because uh, one of the things that we must realize is that also uh, you know uh, once you have that urge to go you know uh, allah ta'ala puts that urge in your heart that you want to go visit the baytullah so if that urge is there and the niyyah is there and you want to go for umrah in the meantime inshallah there is nothing wrong in terms of the sharia as far as that is concerned also bearing in mind that a person is able to perform hajj when he is able to okay so if he's not able to because of not being accredited then it means he must wait until he is able to right so uh, there will be nothing wrong um, to for, for this person to perform the umrah especially in view of imam shafi'i's uh, opinion that the umrah in itself is also a compulsory act and not a sunnah act so it is something that must be done as well so that would be obviously then permissible shukran sheikh assalamu alaikum uh, imam if anybody offers you a umrah ticket and you haven't been for hajj yet is it right for you to refuse the offer yeah, this is of course a, a, a personal uh, decision whether you want to accept the offer or not. Uh, if somebody is going to sponsor a ticket for you and uh, you know that uh, you will be accredited very shortly, mathalan, then it would be best for you to ask the person if he will be willing to either give that money towards the ticket to go and hajj, right? because that will be a better option for you. And if he's willing to do that, then fine and well. But if you if he doesn't want to, he says, no, I, I'm ready now, I want to give you the money and it must be for Umrah, that is 
entirely up to you whether you want to take it or not mm. right it's not that you must take it and it's also that you uh, um, you know you can take it or you can refuse it any gift is like that you don't have to take it mm. although uh, it's, it's it's always nice to you know uh, to, to to accept a gift if somebody gives it with a good heart and stuff like that so we try at best to accommodate the person who is giving so if it is that your your niya was for hajj as well but you you just uh, are not yet accredited um, then inshallah what you should do is if you have projection that maybe it will come through shortly maybe in the next year or so or two years maybe you can tell the person look give me the money towards the ticket for hajj as i have already made near for hajj and the accreditation will probably come through shortly if that is not the case then you decide and financially obviously you must also bear in, uh, into consideration that a ticket is one thing but you obviously need accommodation you need all of that so are you financially prepared for all of that as well Another thing that you must take into consideration uh, and don't put yourself in difficulty if you know that the ticket alone is not going to be enough for you to go and you are going to need other things which you don't have. Be open and upfront. And if you are able to uh, meet all those things and accept the ticket, that will obviously be nice from you uh, so that you don't make the person feel you know, uh, bad that he had offered you something mm. and you didn't mm. receive accept it. it yeah. Right? Or you didn't accept it. Yeah. Okay. Shukran, Sheikh. Salam, can a woman go to masjid when she has her haid but she does not make salah? It's, it's for dhikr. No, a, a woman should not obviously enter the masjid when she is in a state of haid. Uh, the only time that she's allowed to enter the masjid is if she's passing through the masjid. She's using the masjid as a thorough thoroughfare to come to the other side. Mm. Uh, in other words, she's not remaining behind in the masjid. But if it is a woman that is going to remain in the masjid, whether it is for a dhikr or for a class or something like that, if it is the main masjid or part of the main salah area of the masjid, then she should not enter the masjid while she is in a state of hayd. This is something which has been prohibited uh, and prevented by the Prophet ﷺ. There are many ahadith that states that a, a woman should not enter the masjid and this goes for a man as well that is in a state of major impurity a man and a woman that is in a state of major impurity because the masjid is a place of sanctity it's mm -hmm. a place of sacredness right so we should not uh, overstep and overlook the the sanctity of the masjid and so that is the rule that has been laid down to us by the prophet sallallahu alaihi wa wasallam and we must try to follow it as far as we can uh, even is just passing by like i said passing through the masjid to come on the other side that is no problem as long as the person who is in hayd or in nifas or in uh, postnatal blood uh, bleeding does not really uh, remain behind in the masjid that is clearly uh, prohibited and as far as i know there is no difference of opinion even uh, according to the different madhabs all the madahib seems to follow this view because of the clarity of the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Shukran, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum. If my husband remarries without me knowing, and I am to find out later, can I ask for a fasakh? And if he do not does not want to give it to me, what must I do? Yeah, in terms of uh, the husband remarrying without your knowledge, was obviously uh, unsuitable. It was not proper for him to do that. Uh, since uh, he's married life to someone else is going to affect your life as well because you will have to obviously see less of him now and he's going to have to spend time with his other family and his other wife etc etc so in this case uh, obviously it was wrong of him to do that he should have informed you he should have you know at least have the decency to tell you what his intentions were but nonetheless the marriage did take place so he is married with another wife what is best for you to do now if it is possible for you and how I know it's difficult to, to, to ask this from you, but if it is possible for you to try and accept the fact that he is married, right, and remain in your marriage to him as well, then that is obviously a good thing or it will be the best. 
but you should never uh, allow him to um, overlook the rights and the haq that you still have over him. Okay, so if he's married to another wife, that does not mean that he has no right to spend all the time with her and not have any time for you. That does not mean that he can give to her whatever he wants and neglect you. Mm. And this is unfortunately what we also see happening sometimes. The husband has been married to a certain uh, woman. And what always baffles me is he marries a woman and he's married to her, let's say, for 30 years. And they've got kids that are already in their twen- in their 20s, Right. And uh, this poor woman has looked after his children. Uh, this woman has been standing by him in his business, has been supporting him all the time, etc., etc. Right? Then what we find happening is after 30 years, he gets married to another woman. Mm. For whatever reason, right? He feels he can or he wants to or whatever. So he does that. So up until that point, I can still understand. Okay, he's got that urge, he's got the need. But what really baffles me is how he can now almost like totally neglect the first wife as if now the first wife don't mean anything to him anymore that much but he wants to spend all the time with the second wife he gives everything to her she gets a new car she gets a better house she gets whatever right and that is wrong that is plain wrong because how can you how can you neglect the the very woman that has looked after your kids that has reared your kids that have supported you all the years right so of, of course this is not part of the question but i'm just giving a general kind of idea of these scenarios so it would be best for you to obviously accept the fact that he is married, okay, and uh, also to uh, to demand your rights from him. Mm. Don't allow him to shortchange you mm. as as far as your rights are concerned, okay. But if after all of that you still cannot get yourself to live with him, or you just feel that it's difficult, then of course that is another option, but it's not a good option because you are going to obviously then sever your relationship. Your children will now also be affected because the family will be broken up and stuff like that. Then you should ask him politely to, to give him the, the divorce, uh, to, to, for him to give you the divorce, you know. Although that is, like I said, there's not an option that we want to encourage. We want to first let you understand that maybe you can still live as a family like that. Mm. You know, don't take that out of your mind. And I, and I understand sometimes it's difficult because the wife is very emotional. There's lots of stuff and so on. And at that point, she just wants out, you know. She wants nothing to do with him. But think about, obviously, the repercussions of the kids and things about, think about the family. Think about, you know, what it can all lead to and all of that. And uh, inshallah, hopefully, if you speak to him, you know, and uh, you have time and he should allow you time also to sort of settle into the situation. This is another thing which I don't appreciate much of, of uh, the certain husbands who just take a second wife. Mm. And that is where they simply just demand from day one that wife number one must be good friends with wife number two. Or they must like be best friends or mm. they must just carry on as if nothing is wrong. The point is that these are human beings we are talking about, mm. people with feelings and emotions. So if they are scarred or if they feel a bit, let's say betrayed even, okay, mm. that's a harsh word, but let's say they feel betrayed. So be it. Give them some space to feel like that. Mm. And especially if they've been with you for 30 years and now you just go on and marry someone else, which is fine. You can do that. But very often it is to the detriment of the first wife. So if that happens, it's wrong. Uh, so if you can, inshallah, try to stick in the marriage, try to make it work the best that you can, so that inshallah, hopefully the family can stay together uh, and, and 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 survive this particular situation. It's never an easy answer, Sheikh. Thank yeah, you yeah. so much for, for assisting us. <laughs> and with I that think you question. must have picked up. I also beat around the bush a little bit because <laughs> you don't want to just you know. It's not a matter of just saying leave the husband, leave yes. the wife. We don't want to break up families. Yes, yes. The main thing is it's a family. There's mm. children involved. There's there's a setup involved. Lifetime, there's a house. There's yeah. a whole life involved. 
of mm. it's not it's not it's not ethical for us mm. just to say just leave the husband mm. or just leave the wife yeah. you know that is not the way we should operate mm. should try to make uh, reconciliations as far as we can and try to understand and try to bring understanding uh, as far as we and can. try and be the better person yeah inshallah. absolutely shukran Sheikh, we need to take uh, a break for now and when we come back uh, there is more of your questions on our sms line on 47913 that we will continue with back in a moment live from cape town this is the voice of the cape the voice of the cape assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh welcome back to our question and answers we do note that uh, we will break for maghrib a little bit later on our maghrib adhan today uh, will take place at 1834 but but, uh, we continue with your questions on 47913. With me answering your questions is Sheikh Ibrahim Was. Assalamu alaikum. I'd like to know if a female goes for a fasakh and is granted, uh, then husband goes to MJC and he's granted a talaq uh, above this. Female goes under a period, but now husband wants to get back. Does she have to remarry someone else or vice versa? Yeah, fairly uh, complicated or confusing situation mm. in this question. Uh, as far as I can see, uh, if the fasakh was granted uh, between the husband and wife, then that means that the marriage is annulled. Okay, uh, what the implications of that is is that if the marriage is annulled, then it means that there is no way that the husband can now just come and take her back. Okay, if they wanted to get back, then they will have to remarry each other. Okay, and this happens after the fasakh is granted, even if they want to reconcile reconcile one day after the fasakh has been in the given. Idda period, right? So she's under idda mm. for the fasakh, but if they wanted to reconcile in the idda period of her fasakh, there's no way they can do that except by remarrying. Okay, so another that, nikah must take place. Another nikah must take place okay. because that is the effect of a fasakh. Okay. A fasakh is unlike a talaq. A talaq you can just revoke mm. or you can just take back. But in terms of a fasakh, there is no taking back. Mm. So what I can see here is if the fasakh has been granted, that means the marriage has been annulled. She's under idda now. Okay, The husband has got no right to come now and say, look, I want you back. Because he can't take her back. The marriage is annulled. Okay, um, In terms of uh, her uh, wanting to know whether she must first marry someone else or how does it work? She doesn't necessarily have to marry someone else. Mm. If she wanted to marry her own husband again while she's under Idda or after the Idda, no problem. She mm. can do that. But a new contract must take yes, place. Okay. New nikah, new mahar, new everything. Mm. Because that is the effect of a fasakh. A fasakh annuls the, media, uh, the, the marriage immediately. Okay, uh, unlike a talaq. If it's a talaq, then the husband can reconcile with his wife within the idda period without having to remarry her. So because we first need to establish which one came first. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, but in this, according the to the question, she went for a fasakh yeah. and it was granted. Okay. So if the fasakh was granted for me, that is the end of it. There is okay. no way that the husband can now come, say, I want you back and all of those things. Mm. She remains under idda for that fasakh. And whether she wants to go back to him or not, that is entirely up to her. If she goes back to him, even if it is in the fasakh, uh, in the idda period that she wants to go, mm. that she wants to go with, then it means that she will have to remarry, uh, remarry him with a new contract, a new nikah, a new mahar, uh, new witnesses, all of those things. Okay, shukran, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum, Imam. Can you give me advice? My husband and I fight almost every day. On Monday, he verbally gave three talaqs. We were married for 30 years. He even phoned my son to come and fetch me. I'm now under idda. Um, got no contact with him. Please give advice. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, one of those uh, very, very brutal situations again within the home where uh, 
husband and wife are not uh, seeing eye to eye, verbal abuse, uh, perhaps physical abuse, etc. Um, and for 30 years they've been living like this and finally talaq is given. Mm. So if she is under idda, of course, that means the talaq has, has been accepted and she is under idda. Now, of course, if it is three talaqs that has been given all in one sitting, mm. now we have to establish whether it was three talaqs all in one sitting or whether it was the third talaq of a series of talaq that has already been given. Okay. There's a big difference between the two. If it is the third of a series of talaq that took place over a period of time, mm. then unfortunately that would mean that the talaq is final. So she's in a final idda. There is no way that she can ever go back to her husband unless she will have to marry someone else first and then lives with that, live with that husband and then be divorced and then come back. But if it is where the talaq has been given all in one sitting, in one go, then there are a minority, it's not a majority view, it's a minority view of scholars that believe that if it is done all in one sitting, then it is equivalent only to one talaq. Because it's like merely repeating the word, okay. Okay. like thrice in the same sitting. So they will take it as emphasis or, or, or something like that. Mm. And as far as I know, the MJC, they take this ruling uh, to be the one that they, that they depend upon. So what I will suggest this person go to do is to actually go to the MJC or to any other body for that matter, and explain to them what had happened, whether the talaq actually took place all in one sitting, or whether it took place over a period of time. And if it is in one sitting, then there is still hope, that if you want to get back together, there mm -hmm. is still hope, because they will possibly consider all three talaqs that was in one sitting to be as one talaq. And this is a minority view, it's not the majority view amongst the scholars of Islam. Most madhabs would state that even three talaqs in, in one sitting is considered to be three talaqs. And that's a very serious or very kind of a strict position. Hmm. But the reason why the MJC and other people have adopted the minority view is because people often they don't know what they are doing. They often don't know what the repercussions is of what they are doing or the consequences. So this will be the best advice that I can give here is, they, is this woman will have to go and consult with the Muslim Judicial Council or with any other body that she's comfortable with. Give the situation to them and hopefully they will be able to decide for you whether the three talaqs is equivalent to one talaq whereby you can get back to your husband. Or if it's a third final talaq of a series of talaq, then of course they will also say what I've said. There's no way that anything can be done now. You will have to go on the idda. When your idda is done, you will first have to marry someone else and then... If you wanted to come back to your first husband, you could. And that will be after you've lived with your second husband, etc. Shukran, Jazakallah, Sheikh, for that answer. We will continue with more of your questions after this short break. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back. Uh, we will take one more question before we break for our waqt al-maghrib. Um, this is, if a husband and wife separated for eight years, um, separated for four years, I think, I think it's part of the question, mahad has not been paid yet. What can the woman do? No counseling has even taken place yet. Sheikh, please advise. Wow, eight years is long time. <laughs> yeah, separated. but we don't know if it's eight or four, but be that as it may, yeah. it says eight or four, but be that as it may, the, the, the question, most, uh, the answer most probably won't change. Um, and that is that, of course, the mahar is owed to her. I mean, there's no way that the mahar can fall away. So even if they have been separated or whatever the case may be, of course, the only thing that we will have to 
inquire here is in terms of, uh, and it may be a, a, a very technical point, but it has to be mentioned, whether the marriage was actually consummated or not. Hmm. Okay, because that will make a difference. Yes, yeah. You know, if the marriage was not consummated, for example, then she's only entitled to half of the mahar, half of the dowry. Okay, but if the marriage was consummated, then of course she is entitled to a full mahar. So that is a debt that is owed from this person to be paid to her. Hmm. Okay, and unfortunately, since we don't have any uh, legal recourse in terms of Sharia courts or anything like that that can enforce anything like this the only thing that we can do is we can uh, get someone to talk to the husband and give advice to him to say that if you if you didn't pay your mahar yet then it means that no matter what happens in the future you will have to pay it it's still a debt that you owe to her it's not something that will just fall by the wayside but it is definitely something that needs to be squared up and remember i mean you, you know if you don't pay it then allah ta'ala is not pleased with you because you are taking the haq of that wife of yours which you owe to her, right? Which needs to be given to her in full. And that is exactly what she deserves as far as this is concerned. And the amount of time does not, does not matter. Like I said, the answer won't change. Whether it is eight years, whether it is four years, whether it is 18 years for that matter, uh, where, where they didn't uh, pay the mahar, the mahar will still be payable. It will never, never fall away. Okay, and in terms of counselling, she says no counselling has been take, has taken place. Of course, they must then make an effort to have someone to speak to them, to give advice. And I would prefer someone that is neutral. Okay, seeing that they are already separated and stuff, someone that is maybe neutral to come and speak to them and to give the proper advice as far as uh, the mahar and other matters are concerned. Um, we don't know also that the third thing that I just wanted to inquire that we would have to inquire is when they say separated, do, do they mean legally separated or do they just mean okay. they've been living apart? Hmm. Okay, because there's obviously a big difference between that as well. If they've just been living apart, then it would simply mean that they are still married. Mm. Okay, and they, they need to follow the procedures to have them legally separated. Mm. But if they are legally separated, then of course uh, a new set of uh, issues will come up and will arise. And those are the kinds of things that we need to inquire from this questioner. So what I suggest is that they uh, see someone uh, that can speak to them and advise them appropriately mm. as far as the mahar and their status as husband and wife is concerned. Shukran, Sheikh. And uh, Sheikh, the next question is, Assalamu alaikum, Imam, if I'm uh, under Ida, now my husband wants me back, but I don't, I don't want him back. Can I say no? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Uh, no, unfortunately, you cannot say no uh, in terms of uh, wanting to go back, etc. Uh, the, the issue of giving a talaq and revoking that talaq is the right of the husband. Okay, uh, in ordinary circumstances, that is, it's the right of the husband, and uh, during the idda, of course, uh, the best is uh, the, the three months period is normally given for a second chance. Okay, so if, if he wishes that a second chance uh, should be given and he revokes that talaq, and and here just to, to caution, he has to take you back verbally. He has to say, "I take you back," or he has to, you know, both of you has to, have to agree verbally that you, you are husband and wife again. Right? It's not a matter of just being intimate, for example. Yeah, that's just a point that I want to make. Uh, revoking the talaq uh, requires for the husband to actually verbally say that he takes his wife 
back. So if he does that, then that will be valid and it is his haq to do that. And uh, this is exactly why there is these chances after the Idda and during the Idda, etc. It's to give a second chance and to see if things maybe work out better, etc. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, then of course one can uh, take a recourse to something else uh, after that. But yes, if he does the, the raja'ah, what we call the revoking of the talaq or taking back, um, then uh, that, that should take place. However, I also want to say that this is all, all these processes that take place of talaq and of taking back and revoking and making up and all of this. I can't imagine how a marriage uh, can ever work if uh, it's just one person deciding and one person just doing and not consulting the other one and not taking in consideration the other one. I can't see how these things will ever work properly if it is done that way. Okay, so what I'm saying is, although the rule states, okay, he's got the right to do that. Okay, it does not mean he must not consult. It does not mean he must not speak to her. Okay, because if he doesn't speak to her, how 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 does he expect things to come right? Hmm. How does he expect things to get solved if he's not prepared to talk to her and say, look, let's see how what we can do. Let's try to settle it. Let's convince. Let me convince you, for example. In whatever way that next time around will be better mm-hmm. and of course uh, that is the way to go I mean if he wants he's, he's only fooling himself if he thinks he he'll just take her back anyway and to spite her and stuff like that and this is what happens mm-hmm. often it's to spite her or just to show to her I'm in charge and stuff and I can guarantee you if that is your attitude and that is why you are doing it you are in for failure a second time also because our spouses, uh, husband to wife and wife to husband, uh, we cannot, uh, you know, use this, each other just as a, sort of a, you know, a means for our own agendas and for our own things that we want to, and our, to settle our own scores and stuff like that. Then we are bound for failure, mm-hmm. right? So what I always uh, advise in all these circumstances, never do anything unilaterally, but speak to each other, right? Have conversations, have good dialogue. It is only through that that perhaps a good amicable solution can be reached the moment you take everything upon yourself to do and to undo and stuff like that and undermining the other person's uh, position or at least opinion or at least feelings then uh, there cannot be anything good that comes from such a decision that is taken shukran so much sheikh ibrahim was for always allowing um every um substantial um, answer to the question we really appreciate and I think this is the forum that that's why we appreciate the pro- this program like this so when people pose the question um, they get appropriate detailed answer uh, just some com- comments we have received as well um, my respected um, imam shukran for your fruitful nasiha may Allah bless you with good health to keep you what you are doing um, from Amin Abadin shukran and then just uh, also reiterating the position of marriages um, as lots of questions has come in this week with regards to divorce and marriage um, it's so true the lady said we are parents and also need to be an example to our children shukran to Allah I'm married for 35 years and the key is is my salah. The chef just some some fruitful comments there. Beautiful. All right, moving on to more questions. Assalamu alaikum. After finding out my husband was seeing my younger sister, he abused and threatened to throw me out. Never told me if we are divorced, and now she now now he says that he and my sister are married. I need advice. I did not get mahar as well. Sheikh. Yeah, Allah. Yeah, so first of all, I mean if he had obviously married the sister he could only have married the sister if he divorced his wife. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no way that he can get married to both of them or be married to both of them at the same time. Okay. So if he did that, if he married uh, the sister without divorcing his actual wife, 
then that second marriage is null and void. Mm. There's no marriage. I mean, that marriage is partial, so to say. Okay. Um, so obviously, she needs to ascertain uh, that by him first. You know, did did you divorce me or before you got married to her or not? Because if you didn't, then it means you are not married to her mm. at all. Uh, the second issue is uh, if uh, he did divorce her, mm. but she did not know about it, then that will not impact. The divorce would be valid. And then, of course, it means that he is allowed to get married to the sister. But here what the scholars say also is that he should only get married or is only allowed to get married to the sister if the idda of that woman is over, of his first okay. wife is over. Because the fact that he can make up with her during mm. the idda means that if he makes up with her, he won't be able to marry the sister. Mm. Uh, and this is in a way where the scholars say this is like in a way the only time where the husband has to endure an idda. Okay. Wow. He's not under idda as such, but he cannot get married until her idda is over. Do you, do you understand? I that? understand that. It's uh, because, actually very important. Yeah, because otherwise, he's especially got, when it's the sister. Absolutely, because, because it's close related to the wife. That's course, correct, and he's able to take his first wife back hmm. in that idda period. Hmm. So that is why he should wait till the idda is over. Hmm. So that is why, again, just coming back to what I said earlier on, if you don't communicate these things to your wife, how do you expect? I mean, how how you're going to come out of this thing, uh, you know, um, positively, if you are not going to communicate these things? I mean, if you now just left your wife for her sister, not informing her whether she is divorced or not, just having to, to marry another woman who is her sister. Well, I mean, it's chaos. It's, it's complete madness, Absolutely. right? And uh, also the fact that he's now become abusive and all this. Of course, we don't know the circumstances of both sides of the story, which we also always need to be mindful of. Mm. We may just be getting one perspective here. So on, the, on these questions that come to me, I can only speak of what I see. Hmm. But there may be certain other avenues or certain things that are hidden that we don't know about. But the point here is that she has to find that out by, by her husband and ascertain those facts. And the issue of finally the, the mahar as such, of course the mahar is still payable no matter what happens. The mahar does not fall away like I said earlier on. She still deserves her mahar in full if the marriage was consummated with her husband full mahar is deserved by her and the husband must see that she gets that mahar and all the other rights that is owed to her if there was any rights that he that he neglected so again this is a case whereby this 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 uh, wife should uh, approach the husband directly and mm. say to to him look uh, there's some serious things that you may have done wrong and in order to resolve these things you need to come out in the open to say what exactly happened and i need to know was I divorced at the time that mm. you married her or not? Because the advice that I had been given is that you, if you married my sister while you were still married to me, then the marriage of you to my sister is invalid. Invalid, okay. There is no marriage. So you are living in haram, in other words. Mm. You are living with a woman that you are not married, married to. to. So these are the kinds of things that needs to be uh, uh, ascertained mm. and that needs to be questioned before mm. we can get a, a sort of uh, good uh, directive as to a way forward in this particular scenario. Shukran, Sheikh. We have to leave that question there for now. We will continue with more of your questions on 47913 just after this. Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape. 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 The following businesses have kindly sponsored this Mohri broadcast. Johnson's Fruiterers Wholesale and Transport for fresh fruit, vegetables and transport, 12 and 18 ton super link and trailers and other transport available. Potatoes and onions now also available at wholesale prices. Contact Idris Johnson on 021-931-0786 or 083-786-9491. Johnson's Fruiterers, come fresh, get fresh. 
Metro Food Center on Krumbum Road, home to Chicken Tikka Inn, Metro Sandwiches and Juices Center, or come and relax at Rossini Coffee Shop and enjoy something from a prawn curry to a waffle, or simply chill at our Arabian Nights Lounge. All this at one center, Metro Food Center. Find us below the Krumbum Bridge, close to the Shell Garage in Rondebosch East. Phone 021-696-5422. Savoy Lodge on number 86 Krumbum Road, Rondebosch East offers upmarket venue for all your private and corporate functions all year round. We cater from 50 people to 150 people, banqueting style, venue available with or without catering with complete setup. We also offer upmarket accommodation for business and leisure at reasonable prices. Group bookings welcome. Visit us at www.savoylodge.co.za or call 082-792-7865. The Voice of the Cape thanks these official sponsors. May the Almighty place Baraka in your lives. Amin. Shukran Kathir. Abdullah bin Omar narrated that Allah's Apostle Sallallahu said, A Muslim is a brother of another Muslim, so he should not oppress him, nor should he hand him over to an oppressor. Whoever fulfills the needs of his brother, Allah will fulfill his need. Whoever brought his brother out of a discomfort, Allah will bring him out of the discomforts of the day of resurrection. And whoever screened a Muslim, Allah will screen him on the day of resurrection. Urging caution from the dua of the oppressed, who has no screen between his prayer and Allah. The Voice of the Cape, Al-Qaeda, 1435. Indulge me hyper all the way. We call it Friday. Triple A grade lamb. Report for duty. Indulge me hyper. Celebrate Friday with Indulge Meat Hyper. Try a wide range of sausages, whole and half lamb, spice, and a world of brine marinade. Fry the beloved country on Heritage Day, 24 September, with Indulge Meat Hyper, the meat you love to eat. Centrally located in the upmarket suburb of Rondebosch East, Burnley Lodge offers you the perfect venue to host your conference. We host anything from weddings, workshops, seminars, corporate functions, formal lunches, and more. Our conference center embodies style and sophistication with friendly staff ready to provide you with exceptional service. Call 021-696-7210 or visit BurnleyLodge.coza. Burnley Lodge, let us leave you with a lasting impression, making you return time and time again. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station.
The Voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome back. We're in our last segment of Questions and Answer Forum with uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Was, um, Sheikh is resident imam at the masjid. And Sheikh also has made available his uh, contact number at reception. So if you have any problems and if you'd like to contact Sheikh, um, Sheikh will um, try and help you and assist or direct you to, to the respective individuals. Sheikh, welcome back. Uh, let's just do the last few questions in the segment. Assalamu alaikum. I would like to know when fasting consecutive six days, after Eid in Shawwal, do you skip the Friday or you just keep on fasting for the entire six days of Shawwal? As far as the six days are concerned of Shawwal, of course it is not an obligation to uh, fast the days consecutively. You can fast any days during Shawwal, mm-hmm. okay? Whether you want to choose the Monday and Thursday or when you, every second day, one day every week, that is entirely up to you. Um, six days in Shawwal, any any six days whatsoever, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, in terms of the question, should you choose the option of doing the six days consecutively? Does it mean that you have to skip the Friday? The answer is no. You don't skip. You don't have to skip any days. Mm. You can do the whole six days all in one. Um, the prohibition in terms of the Friday and the Saturday is that there are a hadith that shows to us that we shouldn't single out a Friday or a Saturday for fasting. Mm. Meaning, if you ordinarily fast a Sunnah fast during the year, don't single out a Friday to do that, because there's no proof, there's no virtue to to, to show that the Prophet ﷺ ever fast only on a Friday. Okay. Although uh, there is uh, many, there are many ahadith that show that he fast, uh, he fasted on a Monday, for example. So you can single out a Monday. He fasted on a Thursday, for example. So you can single out a Thursday. But there's no evidence to show that he ever singled out a Friday for fasting. Mm. To the contrary, some there's ahadith that show that he actually uh, disliked for us to single out a Friday okay. for fasting. Okay, so in this case, you are not singling the Friday out, but it is part of the six days. So in this case, it's fine. You can carry on and fast the entire six days. So I think this year, uh, if I I remember correctly, we started, uh, we had Eid on the Thursday it was. So the first, or was it the Wednesday? This Eid was was on a Monday. On a Monday. So definitely there was a Friday that uh, that would have uh, fallen into the six days. Mm. So that's fine. You just carry on and you would have ended with your six days then on the Sunday. Mm. Right? And that was completely acceptable. Uh, No problem at all. Shukran, Sheikh. Salam, Sheikh, please explain the process of Fasakh for a woman whose husband does not nafaka her and has walked out and not come home for weeks on end. Yeah, the procedure of a fasakh, uh, which means an annulment of the marriage, which uh, is going to be requested by the wife, is something that she obviously has to, uh, obviously she has to apply for it, uh, put in an application for it at uh, one of the uh, judicial bodies, such as the MJC or ICSA or any of the other bodies that deal with these matters. Um, and uh, obviously what happens is uh, a fasakh is normally when it is lodged, uh, thorough investigation has to take place. So what happens is they will have to call in the husband and the wife and hear what the problem is and obviously now establish whether there are sufficient grounds for a fasakh. In this case, a non-payment of nafaka is a ground, uh, is grounds for fasakh. So obviously she can lay those claims and, and, and complaints against her husband and they will call him in and uh, also, if he does not show 
let's say she says he's gone for a few days, a few weeks, and he hasn't come home. So if he doesn't show for these meetings as well, then it means simply that he is trying to defy the process and they will basically act in his uh, absence mm. and they will uh, sort of do whatever is necessary in his absence. So if they find that there are grounds for Fasakh, such as in this case, they will actually give the Fasakh even if he does not pitch okay. or even if he does not come. Because the point is they will give him chance to come, they will write letters to him, they will make communication, communicate with him the, the urgency of coming. If he doesn't show, he doesn't want to show, then of course they will do it in his absence. Uh, and that is only logical. I mean, you cannot let the woman wait forever and just, you know, uh, um, be in suspense all the time what is going to happen next, mm. etc. She also needs closure as to what the way forward is. So that is the procedure. It is not something that uh, can be done just by individual person and just go to a one imam or sheikh and just do it. You must go to a judicial body to do it because it's a judicial decree and decision that normally takes place. And that is what we encourage you do. Inshallah, make an appointment, go there, lay your complaint, and they will do the necessary steps from there, contact the parties. And if everything goes smoothly, they will inform you as soon as possible what your status is in terms of your application as far as the Fasakh is concerned. Shukran, Sheikh. The next one is, Assalamu alaikum. My son had an affair. He divorced his first wife and moved in with this woman. He doesn't support his children. And when I phone, he doesn't reply. What can I do, Sheikh? This sounds like a mother. Yeah, a mother or a father who is obviously uh, uh, in stress because of what the son is doing. Mm. Um, so, so obviously, uh, him moving out and divorcing his first wife, etc. Um, that that is still understandable. Maybe things didn't work out between him and his wife, etc. Right? But in terms of his children, what they are pleading uh, for is that he supports his children, mm. and that is obviously something that we need to stress on, and we need to uh, do whatever we can. To, to to make him pay mm. and to make him uh, fulfill those duties and responsibilities uh, and I do believe that you can you know follow this thing up even in our uh, judicial system in our local government and stuff like that you can go to court and you can actually lay a complaint uh, on behalf of the children or on behalf of that family that he's not supporting you know complaint of non-support etc these are things that can be followed up um, in the legal systems that we have at our disposal uh, and I think uh, that should be done. But before we do that, maybe we should get somebody to, to speak to him, if, if possible. If there's anybody that uh, maybe he uh, has respect for or that he will take seriously and that he will look up to, maybe get someone to, to speak to him and actually tell him that, look, what you are doing is wrong. Uh, if you've left your wife because of whatever reasons and you can't live with her, we can understand that. But secondly, to, to have an affair with, with women and not getting married, that is wrong. And also neglecting your responsibilities and duties towards your children is also absolutely wrong. Mm. That is something that even in a case of divorce, it's not something that you can sort of distance yourself from. You will be answerable uh, for it on the day of judgment. You will be uh, held accountable for everything that you've neglected as far as your children are concerned. Okay, they are your responsibility and you need to look after them in a way that they deserve. So somebody should speak to them, speak mm. to him and try to convince him about uh, these duties of his. If not, then I do believe they can follow, you know, uh, the, the legal systems and actually go to these uh, places where you can lay claims for non-support and stuff mm. like that. And hopefully something will come from that where this person will be able to uh, realize his duties and, and responsibilities. Shukran, Sheikh. Unfortunately, we have to leave it there. We really appreciate um, your detailed answers to these questions um, that we have sent in. Um, for all those that have sent questions in today via our SMS line, um, we do applaud you to have patience 
as we continue with our backlog of uh, questions and we'll deal with that first and inshallah in the weeks to come we will answer your questions that was uh, answered by a Sheikh Ibrahim Wiss, a Sheikh being the resident Imam at the Yusufiya Masjid once again for your time Sheikh and we hope to see Sheikh again next week same time same place Jazakumullah khairan and to all our listeners wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh that was Sheikh Ibrahim Wiss please join us again next week um, at 6 o'clock as we continue with your questions on our SMS line 47913. Um, shukran, shukran, shukran once again for your sabr and your patience as we uh, deal with them when we um, have the time and, and as they come in, inshallah. From myself, Khawa Salman, be safe. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and a very good evening.